Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, I totally put it. I think you should leave that filter on. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's a birthday This filter. one? Maybe. <laughs> Is it? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a good one. Actually, yeah. I kind of on. love that. That's kind of great. All right, we'll see how long this cat, um, cat filter, please. This keeps me <laughs> distracted. <laughs> All right. Oh, but if it was a cat's win, oh, this <laughs> is what I'm leaving it as. Is this too I think too much? It's a good birthday for a Sunday night. I don't know. <laughs> I should probably talking to my microphone for the podcasters. Um, <laughs> okay, let me go back. That's a to... good one. Oh, this, this is it. I think we're sold. Thank you. Thank you for all the happy birthdays. It is indeed my birthday. I'm making you work um, on your birthday. 21st of February. I'm sorry, I can't stop looking at myself. <laughs> I am really fabulous. Well, I this agree. Feels like... <laughs> Hello, Gemma. I actually, oh, hi, Megan. Thank you, Georgina Carson, for my happy birthday message. Um, a little bit of inside baseball. Gemma and I have a quick chat before we jump on here. I feel like I hung up on you. Gemma. I, li- you hung, I'm so sorry. You hung, no, you literally you like, hung up on me as I was saying I'm hanging up on you. So it's fine. <laughs> oh, Right. Yeah, um, we were, were both running really a bit late because I had to sing happy birthday <laughs> to you on the phone. And uh, so you had to hang up on me. Yeah, that's fine. Yes. I know. But, oh, people are waiting for Gemma and her stellar Not- analysis. Welcome to the Play On Review. <laughs> that was so Emma Race, by the way. I just did an Emma Race. <gasps> welcome to the other section. No, welcome to the Play On Review here on Insta Live. Thank you, Megan Brewer. Megan, sorry. Happy birthday to me. Thank you, Megan Brewer. Um, I'm Rana Hussein, and with me, as always, is AFLW analyst Gemma Bastiani. Really? I still have to read your name, weirdly. <laughs> I can't just look at you and say <laughs> Gemma Bastiani. And we're here to break down this week's games or our reviews will also be up online and you can get them however you get your podcast. I'm so, look, it is my birthday. It's been my birthday weekend and I've had the Muslim equivalent of a boozy weekend, which is 
a lot of food. We've just haven't stopped eating. So I, I am always a little bit loopy, but today is just like extra, extra <laughs> birthday I'm ex- loopy. I'm excited for I mean, I wore my Stay Jazzy t-shirt for you today. Aww. It's reversed, but you can see it. It says Stay Jazzy. It's, stay Jazzy uh, Ghana. I thought you'd appreciate it. I can stay well, Jazzy Ghana. Well, I wish Ghana. it said that. We should make... We should make that version of it. We should totally make yeah. that version of it. Get onto it, someone else that isn't me. <laughs> um, I also have, so speaking of food, I also have a Brunetti's, a Brunetti's dessert. Um, it's a San Remo. It's some kind of pistachio <laughs> dessert situation that I'll... While you talk stats, I'm going to eat dessert, if that's all right. That's that's fine. I have coffee, Ooh. so um, we're good. Oh, I also have You've coffee. You've just dropped all over yourself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really bad at multitasking here. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, and hello to podcast listeners. Hopefully, you're still listening after this really long run up into what will be our review of this round. It's an, it's been an interesting round. I've actually really enjoyed the results of this one and some unexpected stuff. Some of the results. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get it's, there. Um, I really, last week we were so triumphant and. Um, yeah, it's it's D's fans are a bit down today, including you. I definitely messaged you during the game saying I'm so mad. Yeah, is that what I said? Yeah, you you said just or oh, you just wait till the review is what you said. So <laughs> we let's let's get there eventually. <laughs> We've first got a, a review St Kilda versus Geelong. Friday night, which to me feels like a long time ago. Um, but St Kilda, 7.951 to Geelong's 3.422. I want to start by asking you about St Kilda's defensive structure because they seem so well organised. Yeah, I, I've been a massive fan of Tilly Lucas Rod for a really long time and being able to actually go down there and watch them again um, I saw them live round one and then, yeah, was at the game then. Watching Tilly Lucas-Rod and the way she organises that defence and the way she is so well-structured and well-drilled and everyone is in tune to what she's saying, it's really impressive to watch and it's the reason the Saints have been able to be so strong defensively. And then we can have the conversation about how they do play an extra behind the ball a lot, but that's separate to the fact that they're very well organized and that's largely because of Tilly Lucas Rod. But then when she does actually get the ball, she uses it really, really well too. So this year she's averaging 16 disposals a game, which are mostly kicks. So it's mostly, um, it's 12.25 kicks a game out of her 16 disposals, which I think is the first part of showing how she's actually getting meterage and getting actually space out of defense. And then 4.25 tackles, and then she's using it at 70, 75% really. So that's remarkable. And just watching her doing that plus organizing her teammates is really great to watch. And it had a huge impact on this game. When you say 4.25 tackles, what does that mean? What does 0.25 of a tackle look like? It means that 4.25 times 4 is what she's actually had for the year and then you divide it by 4 to get the average. 
why does football involve so much maths? It's <laughs> maths is the best. Numbers are the best. What? It is a real struggle for some of us. <laughs> I love maths so much. Oh my god, that just doesn't. So, were you always good at maths, Gemma, at school? Even probably. Or did you yeah. always love it? No, I didn't always love it. Okay. But, um, you know, it's one of those subjects where it was just an easy A, so you just did it. Oh, God, I wish it was that I've always been words. This is why we're such a good team, though. This is why. Exactly. Exactly. This is why you bring that statement <laughs> and I bring numbers. Of course, you're good at maths. What am I talking about? So <laughs> we, you did a great thing and threw out to listeners um, for some questions that they might ask you, um, which was a lovely us. idea. <laughs> ask us. us. True, yes. I have a football brain. It's just um, often on holidays. So (laughs) (laughs) I think we've talked about this, that you, I would make a great boundary rider because uh, I often I'm not watching the play. I'm watching something going on (laughs) anywhere but the play is where my eyes often are. So (laughs) um, I opposites. Exactly. Uh, But Sharon Lee McGee has asked us, why isn't the Geelong team winning? Is it because they didn't come into the comp until later? Did the earlier admitted teams have an advantage? And I've been wondering this too. I feel like there is an advantage for the teams who've been in the competition for longer, but that, it can't be that much of an advantage, surely. So I think there's, yeah, there's two parts to this question. The, the first part being... Do earlier teams have an advantage? And I think they definitely do because they've had longer in the system. They've had more of those pre-seasons. And, you know, in the men's game, what do they say? It takes four pre-seasons before your body is actually ready to consistently perform Hmm. properly at this elite level. It's no different in the women's. And when you consider the women have a shorter pre-season with less hours, you know, it takes a little bit of time. The fact that we're seeing teams that have had been in the system for longer performing better at the moment, that's a big part of that. And that's, I think, why maybe instead of looking at the um, expansion as you should stop it now because of X, I feel like that's the reason you should speed it up so that you've got more players in the system for longer, which will speed up the evenness of the competition, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Personal opinion anyway. But... The Cats thing is the other part of it. What I noticed being at the game and particularly standing quite close to the Cats bench for this game is that they don't seem to be communicating as well on the field as what I've seen them do previously. And I think that has a massive impact on their ability to perform well as a team rather than as individuals. And and I'm not suggesting that... um, they're selfish players or anything like that, but just their communication is that little bit off at the moment. And you can see a little bit of frustration creeping in with players not being able to get back on the ground when they need to, or things like that um, are happening. And and I think the whole St Kilda playing an extra behind the ball thing made it really evident because we know Geelong have been struggling to score this year. In an ideal world, they would have had a leader in the... And Meg Mack is great, but she's under siege in the defensive half. She's constantly dealing with, you know, the play rather than organising her teammates and as a captain. Mm. 
further up the field, they need some leaders that can be like, oh, I'm going to actually go up and even up the numbers in the forward half. So when we do get a turnover, we can move the ball quickly how we want to move it rather than be slowed down and then be unable to break through. And that kept happening throughout the game was that that extra in defense, just every time they got a, a turnover, they would look up and see Saints and then they'd have to slow it down. And then once it was slowed down, you played directly into the Saints' hands. And I think that was the big issue for the Cats um, on the weekend. And I think that's kind of been a bit of the issue previous as well. Um, I just got a message from someone who lives in my house that said, turn off your filter, you silly head. Um, I think no, you should I leave it on. I will. <laughs> Can you take me seriously, though, is the question. <laughs> I can. I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so, I, f- I really feel for Geelong because I don't know that we expected this from them um, and it's super disheartening, I suppose, for them. And you, you wonder, yeah, what, when you say they need to communicate better, is it just more, more communication that they need on field and make, yeah. you know, someone leading out there? Yeah, I think the issue that... Um... You know, the conversation around captaincy is a really interesting one, isn't it? Because your, your captain isn't always your best player, is it? So it's, it's I think, at the Cats, the best leaders are also their best players. So their best players are always the ones around the ball, not necessarily the ones away from the play, being able to watch what's happening and then be able to do that stuff on the field. So I think they need to find a few more voices that aren't necessarily always amongst the play, but have that awareness to direct. And you look at Meg Mack is their captain, Jordan Ivey is their vice captain. They're in and around it all the time. Olivia Purcell is brilliant at that sort of stuff. She's also in around it all the time. So it's about finding someone on the field that can spot the fact that there's a spare in the Saints' defence and that if they want to go quick, they need to even those numbers up. And they just weren't able... I didn't see them do that once on mm. Friday. And it just became a little bit frustrating. And the word of tonight is going to be frustrating because we're going to get to it. But it was frustrating to watch because it was just like it's... If if someone had just noticed that and done that, mm. then there were four or five times that they could have gone quick and got a forward 50 entry and that just wasn't happening. Mm. It's that whole Tim Payne whether he should be captain conversation, isn't it? Because he has to be so in the play. Is he a stalky of me to bring cricket into the conversation? That's um, so my friend. <laughs> it's not dorky. I just don't know what to say in response to that. I'm really sorry. Oh, that's so fine. Well, the point is exactly what you just said, that Tim Payne is the wicketkeeper. And if you're the wicketkeeper, you really have to be watching every ball and you can't take that strategic kind of outlook over the whole game because you're so in it every ball you kind of need to be switched on in a particular way that you just can't be and captaincy kind of needs to be able to step back anyway enough cricket chat I wanted to mention very quickly something that I feel very chuffed about which is that when I did some previews of each team before the season started I did it in my way which was to assign songs for every team and the theme for their season and the theme for St Kilda I said was S Club 7's Reach for the Stars Reach for the Stars okay um (laughs) I feel like I got that spot on they just the little team that could and they 
are reaching for the stars and I think it really fits them and everybody's super behind them. If you could pick a song for Geelong, though. Well, I mean, the Saints one, though, um, they have kicked their highest score in AFLW history twice this year now, so you're not wrong. See? The song's... The song oracle over here knows what she's talking about. The song oracle. Geelong. Geelong. Um, oh. uh, feels like I'm only going backwards by Tame Impala. <laughs> oh, boom. No, I mean, they'll have to just take their medicine and they can they can think about it. If, you think, if you're watching or listening, let us know if you have a song to characterise Geelong's season. It's a bit of a harsh question, really. I shouldn't have brought it up. I feel really um, bad now. No, look, they'll get there. They will get there. And they've just, you know, they're not super far off. I think some of what you just said was really on point. Um, let's get your three, two, one, though. Yes. So we should clarify at the start of this that you're going to submit your three, two, ones a little bit later in the week when you've had a bit more time because yes. it's been your birthday weekend. So we're just going to say yes. mine tonight and then yes. add yours into the count later. Um, so I've given, yes, I've given, I've given one to Tilly Lucas Rod for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. I think she's completely brilliant. And I think her leadership and organization on the field is outstanding. Um, two to Caitlin Greiser, who we haven't mentioned yet, but kicked three goals, um, was fantastic and a joy to watch. And I very much enjoyed being directly in the line of behind her for that kick after the siren in what the third quarter for goal brilliant kick um and then three to tiana smith who i think should absolutely get and i feel like i shouldn't say this because i feel like i jinxed ellie mckenzie last week but yes um, (laughs) you totally jinxed her i was gonna message you that (laughs) don't say Um, it don't say it (laughs) tiana smith had 16 disposals which she's had three times this year already 13 tackles, eight score involvements, and four inside 50s. There were moments of play that she... It was just complete brilliance. There was a moment where, save for someone, a lot of people thinking that it should have been a holding the ball call on Georgia Petruchios, ignore that part. Um, Tiana Smith came through, gathered the ball with one hand, evaded a couple of players, and then kicked the ball so beautifully inside 50, and it hit... I want to say Bella Shannon on the chest. It was just a brilliant kick inside 50 and it's exactly what a lot of teams are lacking. And the fact that in her fourth game, she's doing that, it's just amazing to watch. And it really stood out in the game. She had a massive, massive impact on this win. I say it every week, but the youngsters are really impressive. And I just... Pathways. Oh, right? Pathways. We all saw that article. (laughs) Slamming the heart out. How dare they rip the heart out of men's footy by allowing women to play? Good gracious. Yeah. Uh, Let's move on to Carlton versus Richmond, Saturday at Icon Park. Uh, Carlton, oh, such a good game. Narrowly beat Richmond 8-3-51 to 7-4-46. This brings me to the uh, props that I've made sure I've had I have behind me for this review. If you are podcasting this behind me, sits my uh, premiership mug, but that's with me every week. But Conrad Marshall's the hard way because, boy, are Richmond doing it the hard way this season. (laughs) They played, I think, the best they've played ever. And 
didn't still didn't get the reward for their effort, but much more impressive and just I think every Richmond fan felt proud of that club on Saturday for the way they played. I was there with my Outer Sanctum sisters. It was stinking hot. We were sweating up a storm. So I don't know how those women were playing in that heat, but it was, they were just hot weather teams because they played an amazing game. Yes, that is accurate. Um, <laughs> that I mean, worth mentioning that they had the same number of scoring shots. It was just accuracy of a single shot that was the difference in this game. It was edge of your seat stuff. I loved watching. Um, I mean, uh, again, I feel like we do both do this when it comes to um, the teams that we follow. I often find that I watch Richmond so much more closely than I do in the opposition side, but I was thrilled to see what KB brought to the game. Um, Courtney Wakefield for me started to get some help finally. And you were tweeting about what a smart player she is. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so Courtney Wakefield, um, she's probably the less least known player in that forward line, at least of the marking players. The Her repeat efforts are huge, but it's the way she goes about those repeat efforts as well. So she gets onto the ball and she might just keep it in, but make sure she taps it in the direction of a teammate. Or she'll have the awareness to sock it off the ground to get through for a goal, or she'll have the awareness to tap it on over her head if she knows she can't take the contestant mark. She has, like, she's a footy player. She's got the footy brain, and then she backs it up with her skill. And now that she's got more support or or players that are performing better in that forward line, she is having so much more of an impact because those things are then coming off because the players getting on the end of it are doing good things with it too. And that's kind of what we needed for her performances to stand out that little bit more because you're seeing the results of those smart decisions and it's so fun to watch. She's a joy to watch. She's a really powerful player, kicked another three goals. She had 10, um, 10 disposals and she actually had five tackles inside 50 as well. So she was not only kicking the goals, but she was also making sure the ball retained inside 50 to get the repeat repeat shots on goal she was brilliant in this game her and Maddie Brancatasano were my absolute highlights in this game again another youngster uh, and I'm just uh, Courtney Wakefield seemed to be the only one who could kick goals for Richmond but it's really nice to see that starting to change we will get to Carlton who obviously had a great game uh the outer sanctum who I presume is Emma Race, is saying Richmond's sweeping defence was amazing. I agree. Uh, Harriet Cordner, but Rebecca Miller just yeah, playing in a whole kicking. other league. Oh, yeah. So stunning good. kicks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, we will get to Carlton because um, they won and we should probably talk about <laughs> what a great game they had. But Nick Hopkins has asked on Twitter, what's the story with Sabrina Frederick? doesn't have anywhere near the impact that she had at the Lions. So I think that's maybe a slightly unfair question purely because I think she's playing a completely different role at, um, at Richmond than she did at the Lions. So we mentioned uh, Julie and I were talking in the preview of this round that the tall battle, particularly the rucks in this game were going to be crucial. And we look at Carlton, they went in with, Bree Moody and Alison Downey, who are two recognized rucks. That's what they do, and they're athletic rucks, and then they can both rest forward or have that impact. 
Richmond have been going in this season with Gabby Seymour and Sabrina Frederick as their ruck options. So Sabrina Frederick hasn't been playing as a forward. So it's almost like as soon as Sabrina Frederick doesn't kick a goal every match, then she's not having the output. But what's the output that the coach is actually asking of her as compared to what maybe a lot of the public expect of her? It makes sense if you're playing finally for Katie Brennan in the forward line and we saw an impact that Katie Brennan had playing in the forward line, what Courtney Wakefield is doing, what Taylor Stahl is doing. You don't necessarily need Sabrina Frederick to stay in that forward line and you can use her in the way that Richmond's using her. And I think because she's a lot fitter this year as well, she's able to do that stuff. So I think we need to change our expectations of her because I think she is maybe, maybe not quite the impact she did at Brisbane, but I think she is having a massive impact just in a really different way to what people think that she should be, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think, um, and probably this is a little bit inside baseball, but she's certainly having an impact on the playing group from a leadership perspective. I think she's really uh, one of those people that brings the team together. And so, yeah. um, you know, her role is just slightly different, I think, than she ever had before, even last season. So, um she, every time I speak to her after every game, she feels pretty comfortable with where she's at and they, they really seem like they're building something there and they feel like they're just on the cusp of breaking through. So we'll I see. That's, that's pretty evident as well, I think. Yeah. Great game last week against Collingwood and this week was so great too. So hopefully next week is for the Tigers fans, but we need to talk about Carlton. I was really happy to see a Darcio. <laughs> I accidentally said Darcio and I'm sticking with it. Um, Darcio, great game. Finally. I mean, she all, you know, she's always there and in and amongst it, but I love to see her having an impact this week. Yeah. So she looked really at home in the goal screen. I understand like her fitness improved and last year, we were sorry. I was just reading. Um, I assume Emma's tweet, uh, Emma's message. Um, yeah. So last year we saw her play a lot upfield because she had improved that um, fitness and all that sort of stuff, and she was doing really well. And then resting forward and having that impact this year, I think because Carlton have Carlton's midfield especially hasn't quite clicked as much yet, which it has improved. Um, she wasn't able to have that impact because her role up the field required kind of like Courtney Wakefield required Mm. her teammates to be doing a lot as well. Um, But we've seen her take a lot of really good marks this year already, some big, big marks. So it was brilliant to see her sitting out of the goal square and taking those marks and then going back and kicking the goals and lifting the team as well. I think that was really big. She kicked all three of her goals in the third quarter when it was, Carlton had come back and it was a bit of an arm wrestle. So she really was the one that put Carlton in the controlling position of that game Mm. um, when they had really had to come from behind. And it was completely awesome to watch. She, at the time, she's now had kicked 32 goals for her career, which is the second most in the AFLW now. It was equal first until today happened. She also took six marks and four of those were inside 50 and two were contested. So she's doing the stuff in the air that you don't typically expect a smaller forward to do in the air. She plays like a full forward out of the goal square and it's awesome. Emma said she's silky um, and DCB photo. I'm not sure who that is. That's Danny. Um, 
Ah, Danny, of course. Danny <laughs> saying Vessio slotted in beautifully up full forward. I wanted to mention that, again, back on my music previews, that I had Carlton's song as Danger Zone from the movie Top Gun um, because I felt like they were totally in their strike zone when it comes to premiership. They were in, felt like they were in that premiership window, but... I don't know this the way this season's unfolding I don't I'm not seeing what I thought I would see from Carlton. I think they're just in a different danger zone to what you expected. So the song's still appropriate. She's <laughs> <laughs> less uplifting sadly. Sorry, Sorry Carlton. They've won they've won their last two. That's good. Yes, they have. They they they're starting to gel, I think. Starting to. I know you're you're saying they're not fully gelling yet, but um I they were great to watch. I thought, um, and the Darcy flying around was incredible to me. Romina saying completely agree about Darcy's impact. She clearly influences the team far beyond her stats on the field on any given week, and I have to presume that she is as influential off field as she is on field. Um, I had Tigers. The song I had for the Tigers was Aaliyah's, um if at first you don't succeed, pick, dust yourself off and try again. I hope you know what song I'm talking about. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> if at first you don't succeed. Dude, what's the crossover? When did, when did that come out? Um, I was in high school, so it was like a while ago. I'm not, I turned 35 I today. Oh, so you're older than me. Yeah, maybe I just wasn't a conscious human at that time. Bit of R&B for everyone. Oh, thank sorry. you, Romina. Saving me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Darcy kicking to June for a goal was my highlight, says Emma Race. Uh, yes, it was a good goal. I enjoyed yes. it. Oh, yes. thank you, Danny. I'm so glad that people are here with me because I felt like I was really hanging out there on my own. I'm sorry. <laughs> And to think I worked in music. Well, I think that was also a really good pick for Richmond because they aren't succeeding on the scoreboard or in the W section yet, but they will get there and they keep yeah. trying. So let's get your three, two, ones for this game. So one to Darcy for all the reasons I've said already. Um, two to Monconti because I really wanted to give Maddie Brancatisano the votes, but I just feel like Conti did the anyway I think Conti was well talk great. about impact she had such a huge impact yeah but I feel like we need to definitely give Maddie Brown Catazano a lot of credit for this game um if you read my roundup for Siren on Tuesday I'll will be going into great detail about her but she had 17 disposals which was a career high um four clearances three score involvements and she used the ball 88.2 percent disposal efficiency if you watch a lot of the congestion that happened in this game quite often it was maddie brown catizano um getting the handball out to the running player and i think she allowed mon conti to play that run through a stoppage kind of role because she was reliable enough to get the ball into the right position at the right time for conti to run onto it and i think we definitely need to give her credit so she's number five for richmond um Mm. keep an eye on her because i think we talk about hosking being in that midfield we talk about ellie mckenzie talk about conti we need to talk about 
Branca Tizano and the improvement she's made this year as well. And it's worth noting that in round one, she didn't play. Richmond lost the clearances 9-21 to because Conti was kind of the only one that was doing a lot of that. And it's improved steadily since then. And that has happened with Branca Tizano in the side. So let's mm. just shout her out. Anyway, two to Conti. And it, I just filibusted that. Um, and then three to Courtney Wakefield because, yeah, I think she was so brilliant to watch in that forward half for Richmond. This is music to a tiger, tiger's ears, I have to say. I know we've spent ages on this game, but I do. we do have to m- mention the Hoskings and their... Oh, um, yes. Someone did request we talk about them. Yes. Oh, it was Danny, actually, yeah. Well, just their brilliant duel over the last week with prank after prank um, for bragging rights. Obviously, Jess got them in the end, but I felt like they both kind of came out on top. It, it was it was lovely, and I love seeing that side of the AFLW. I'm all for the hijinks. Yeah. Uh, I notoriously am no fun, and I hate pranks, <laughs> but I very much enjoy watching other people do them to each other. Some of them stressed me out. I sort of like, oh, if I did that to my sister, that would not go down very well at all in my family. <laughs> my brother would have punched me so hard. Um, Loz is saying, I was watching the replay tonight and watched out for Maddie and you're so right, Gemma. And Danny I may saying, have tweeted a lot about Branca Design <laughs> during the game. So sorry, everyone. She was impressive. No, she's, she was. she's great. Um, and Danny saying purple high dye, hair dye is the ultimate prank. Oh my God. I wear a hijab and I was like, oh, you can't do that to a girl's hair. <laughs> So, yeah, they're there. They were going for it. Um, <laughs> let's move on. That's enough about the Blues and the Tigs. Fremantle versus Gold Coast on Saturday at Freo Oval. Fremantle 7, 13, 55 to Gold Coast, 106. Oh, this was uh, the first half was an arm wrestle and we saw um, some high pressure from Gold Coast, but... A absolute blowout in the end. Hi, Trent Cooper, best friend of the pod. <laughs> I've elevated you week by week. <laughs> you started off as acquaintance. Last week you were friend and now you are best friend of the pod. Hello. Your Fremantle Dockers. I've got in the notes here, I have Frio are danger. <laughs> yeah, you did actually write that, didn't you? Yeah. They are dangerous in every way. And I think if I were to assign them a song now, it would be Thriller or some other kind of scary Halloween tune because they are terrifying. Gemma. Accurate. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think at halftime, a lot of people were a bit nervous um, because at halftime, Freo would kick just the 1-5-11 to the Suns' one goal. Um, But it's worth noting that last week against Adelaide it was a very similar situation they'd kicked I think 2-1 at half time and ended up kicking 40 something points I should have written that down I tweeted about it someone go find it um but their second halves have been really important and I get the feeling that they've had a really big focus on fitness and making sure they can run games out really strongly and that's something we've seen from Adelaide being really important in the past especially that 2019 premiership year it's something that Brisbane have generally been doing really well this year so they've had that big focus so then their second halves have just blown teams out of the water it's exactly what happened in this game so they kicked 44 points in the second half of this and I mean the 
Suns didn't score at all after they kicked that first goal of the game. Georgina is saying Freo haven't scored first in any of their matches so far. They've lost three quad, three quad, three out of four first quarters. Wow, that's a lot of quarters for my brain to process. And they've scored 0.0 in two of their first quarters, but they're top of the ladder. Gemma, can you break that down a little bit? Yeah, Freo are a really interesting side. And I think they generate a lot of their score out of the back half. So it's almost like they take a quarter to get settled in terms of their defensive structure, knowing how the opposition team is going to try to play that. And then once the second quarter hits, they're like, okay, now it's rebound time. And they start to generate from there. That's almost what it's like. Mm. I mean, it's probably not ideal that that's what's happening, but it's working for them. So keep on doing it, I guess. Georgina writes, our first quarter is going to become a problem for Freya. I mean, if you're an opposition side, you're surely going to do your best to exploit that first quarter if you're playing against Freya. In theory, yes. But the best teams that we're seeing this year aren't scoring that heavily in in first halves even. Um, North Melbourne, which we'll talk about, but until this week, they were scoring most in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, Brisbane, second halves are their thing. Adelaide, second halves are generally their thing. Um, I think West Coast are probably one of the teams that score more heavily in the first half. And, you know, um, look what happened when they played each other, you know? So So I don't... I wouldn't I mean, be what too we, worried. Yeah, are we saying Freo for premiers? I mean, they we it would be great to see them play the Pies now, but both undefeated. Uh, but like I said, Freo are danger. I think Freo, as it stands, look better than what the Pies do, but it's going to be a fascinating matchup because mm. that Pies defence coming up against that Freo forward line is going to be a lot. Mal says she was stress eating brie before halftime until she saw your tweet about second halves, Gemma. I mean, stress eating brie. That's a reference well, to Alison Smirnoff of Siren. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> okay. I was going to say that doesn't sound that terrible to me. That's kind of like Tuesday afternoon for me. <laughs> Daddy says the first half was so good to watch. If the Suns can get their fitness up and string together four quarters, they'll be a strong team in 2022. Don't worry, Georgina, about giving me numbers. I need to get that side of my brain much more sharper. So all good, send numbers. Um, someone else wrote that they were feeling really sorry for Gold Coast Suns. I do too. Let's talk about them a little bit. Um, they are a high-pressure side and they seem to be focusing on that in their game. Yeah, so last year they were absolutely, I I think, I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head, but they were the second highest pressure side in the comp. They obviously lost Jackie Yorston to that ACL this year, but, you know, Ali Drennan's there. But the thing that we're seeing is they obviously still want to play that way. And also a lot of the new players, the draftees, are buying into that. So Lucy Single, she was really impressive in the middle. She played a lot of the game on Kiara Bowers. She laid seven tackles of her own. Um, and Kiara Bowers had her 15. Uh, Kiara Bowers had seven in the first quarter, actually, which is wild. Oh. Um, Bess Keeney had five, playing mostly in defense. 
and Madison Levi, who is slowly kind of warming into this season, um, she had four. So they're all buying into that style of play. They're all trying to do the team thing. And it's just that last little bit of polish that they're missing. But it's good to see that the draftees are looking to do what is asked of them. Are they building like a Tigers and St Kilda? Can we see that coming for them? Or I mean, on the scoreboard, it's not showing, but what's the hope if you're Gold Coast? Hmm. I, I think the loss of Ali Drennan to an ankle injury during this game or, or she was hampered by an ankle injury this year, uh, this week, that made it a lot harder for them at the stoppages, especially against a Fremantle midfield. I think the way that they their defense forced Fremantle shots to be either really pressured or in, from difficult spots um, is a testament to them because Frio mm. kicked 7-13. Um, you know, there's good things, but they are relying really heavily on new players to have a big impact, and that's going to take time. It's also worth mentioning Roxy Rue's goal from the most absurd angle, and I love her. Oh, what a rock star. I mean, oh, I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> I have I have a signed Roxy Roo poster up there that was sent to oh. me for my birthday. So there you go. Jealous. When is Frio. your birthday, Gemma? September. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, that was really that was personal. Last it. It, was last <laughs> I just, it probably just isn't relevant to your birthday today, not mine. <laughs> no, I just want to get ready. Um, Georgina finals. Yeah, okay. I'll remember that. Um, Georgina is saying she loved Lucy single on Bowers. Amazing for a teenager to keep up with Turbo for sure. Uh, let's get your three, two, one. Yes. Yeah, so this is going to sound absurd, but I'm mm-hmm. giving Kiara Bowers one vote. Does sound absurd. What are you even, doing, Bastiani? <laughs> even though she was amazing. Because I want to give Gabby O'Sullivan two votes because I think she was I I loved her tenacity around the ball. I loved the way she approached contest at speed. She kicked two goals. She stood up when Gemma Houghton was having a, a, a bit of a struggle. Um I really loved the way Gabby O'Sullivan plays. Um and then three to Hayley Miller. There was one particular moment in the final quarter, I believe, that was so Hayley Miller to me and I loved it so much. She broke away from a stoppage just outside 50. She's not a small in and under midfielder, but she gets the dirt, goes in, does the dirty work, extracted the ball, broke away, used the speed and power that she had to break away, ran inside 50 and kicked a brilliant goal. And it just was so nice to watch. And I think she really lifted in that second half when Freo kind of took the game away. And I loved it. So that three votes to her. Beautiful. Uh, let's, I had to, you know, Kiara Bowers is forever three votes for me. <laughs> well, on that topic, actually, um, I did a, I did a podcast with Hayley Miller last year about their seven, seven and zero season. If anyone wants to go and listen to that. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Yes, please. Uh, let's move on to North Melbourne versus Collingwood. Oh my God. I said that like Gil McLaughlin um, at the Brownlow. North Melbourne versus Collingwood. <laughs> you should host the Brownlow. You have a good voice for it. <laughs> oh my God. It would be. I mean, yes, please. Sure. <laughs> Whoever can make that happen, make it happen. Uh, North Melbourne. <laughs> I keep 
guy, I can't stop doing it now. North Melbourne, zero eight eight, <laughs> Collingwood, four four twenty eight. Um, I who I want to ask you this: Who are you going for in this game, Gemma? Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Are you very... Jasmine Garner. I wasn't going for a team. I wasn't going for a team in this game. I I was just going for a really good game, which didn't quite happen. Yeah, no, it didn't happen. I was wondering because this is one of those ones where you could easily not want to go for either team. <laughs> it's just one of those. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? You might have to edit that out. <laughs> it's fine. Um, uh, and it was tricky and I thought it would be a much more competitive game, but it just fell a bit flat. Um, I'm actually going to start with, Kirby Fenwick's question to us on Twitter, which was what happened to North? Two weeks of a less efficient North Melbourne. Yeah, so <laughs> I said that with great authority that I don't have. Um, <laughs> North Melbourne and Collingwood is a really interesting matchup for one. Remember that final last year between them that it was very, very close and Jasmine mm. Garner took that game-saving contested mark in the dying moments. They won by yes. two points. Like, it was a brilliant game. And then you think the off-season, Scott Gowans was let go by North Melbourne, picked up by Collingwood as an assistant coach. So that added not like a little bit of theatre to this game. Pre-season, they had a practice match that Collingwood really took it to North. And then this is kind of almost like the next chapter of that story. Mm. Collingwood identified and, you know, having Scott Gowns there couldn't hurt for this, um, identified that if you can limit the efficacy of North Melbourne's clearances, so let them get the ball out, but don't let them get it out to the kinds of players or in the way that they want. So mm. no, I should have looked up the clearance numbers for this, but I didn't. I would assume that North Melbourne won the clearances, but then lost the uncontested possession, which I can look up if I want to, but I won't. Um, sorry, everyone. But if you stop them being able to generate play out of the stoppages, you pretty much shut down their whole their whole system. And then you Oof. add on to that the, the Collingwood backline, we've talked about it almost every single week on this um, podcast, 
they forced the shots wide and pressured and mm. North Melbourne then couldn't kick accurately, ended up being same number of scoring shots, but a 20-point difference and the first time North has never scored a goal. So, you know, it seems like two really simple things. Yeah. But they identified those things really effectively and executed them for four quarters. So, you know, they didn't just do it for a half and then North Melbourne got involved. It was four full quarters of doing that. It meant that Collingwood didn't score a lot themselves, but they scored enough to make North Melbourne unable to come even close to them. So well done to Collingwood. We did see, uh, and thank you to the people who were saying I, sh- I should be the Brownlow host. Uh uh, I accept. Thank you. <laughs> um, only, also, only if I can use this amazing filter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> otherwise, it's no. Uh, we saw someone on Twitter. And forgive me for not remembering who mentioned. You know, uh, do we legitimately now see Collingwood as a potential premiership team? Did someone say that? I didn't see that. I think I saw that. Unless it's just my brain saying that. Um, I mean, they are looking formidable. That midfield is dominant. Yeah. I. You, you can't discount them because they're 4-0 and and they just beat North Melbourne and didn't let them score a, a goal. I think that the... Going back to what we're talking about when we talk about Frio, I think the Collingwood Frio matchup will tell us a lot about both teams, because Frio also have a midfield that can go with Collingwood. Frio, I think, have a more potent forward line, and and Collingwood rely more on their defence. So I think their strongest parts of the ground are going head to head in that sort of matchup, mm-hmm. and I think that would be fascinating. It would Could be you incredible. Could you imagine Gemma Houghton playing on Stacey Livingston? Like that would be. Oh my god! I hope we get that. I mean, there's there's a real chance that we won't see them go head to head. Let's not talk about that because my brain <laughs> might die. <laughs> Let's just pretend like things are normal. Yeah. I mean, oh, the thought of hubs now, and anyway, let's not go there. But COVID, I might cry. Suck. Yep. Yeah. Um, Collingwood, anything you want to add before we move on? I do want to hear your three, two, one. But I felt like Chloe Malloy is incredible and just does amazing things every week. And I think, how how do you do that? And how are you so good? Yeah, the thing about Chloe Malloy that um, probably every coach is envious of, and there's maybe three players in the competition that can do this well um, Mm -hmm. is that she can play on every line. So within a game, she can go anywhere that you need her at that moment. So in this game, we saw her forward, we saw her playing out of defense and we saw her kind of on the wings quite a bit. Um, Having that sort of versatility within your team, especially when you have a list of only 30 players, that is like gold. Jasmine Garner is probably one of the other players. And I think Maybe not so much this year, but last year, Ebony Antonio was that kind of player. Um, mm-hmm. Though Those players are invaluable. So it's really, that is why she stands out in games, because she can do all that stuff and she's around the ball so much because she goes to the areas that the ball is. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, we talk about Collingwood's midfield, um, Davy, Lambert and um, 
Benici. They had, I think, 79 disposals between them in this game. But then you look at who are the supporting players. That defensive line is a supporting player. If that defense wasn't so strong, Ruby Schleicher wouldn't be able to push up and get involved Mm. in the play up the field, which she was really good at. Um, You know, the forward line is still the one part of the ground that, you know, you don't look at and go that is a powerful forward line. But, you know, Jordan Membry stepped back up in this game. Chloe Malloy kicked two goals. She's now kicked goals in her last seven games, which is the equal most in the competition with Taylor Harris in last season. Um, Because Taylor Harris kicked a goal in every game last season. Um, You know, so, like, there are these things happening. But the one thing that I, I still... Collingwood still doesn't have for me is that really powerful forward line that you can trust. Because look back at the Geelong mm. game, when they had control of that Geelong game, they didn't really score in the middle two quarters from memory. Mm-hmm. Whereas Fremantle are a team where you look at every line and you're like, that is powerful, that is powerful. So that's the one thing that I think has Collingwood half a centimetre behind Frio for me. Oh, can please AFL make sure we get a Frio Collingwood game. I'm dying to see that. Romina said, Gemma, your analysis is blowing my mind. So good. I agree. I just kind of sit back and go, oh, incredible. I like understand the game. I want to go back now and watch the round. Like Every time we do this, I want to then go and watch the round again because I've heard now what you're seeing and I didn't see any of it. (laughs) But it's like I totally get it even more. Um, And Romina says, yes, Collingwood are a real premiership contender for sure. She's a Collingwood supporter, so she's entirely biased. That's fine. (laughs) But they are. Look, they they, uh, haven't lost a game yet, so let's... What one of two teams. Uh, can I get your three, two, one, please? You absolutely can. Um, I've given one to Chloe Malloy. We talked about her already. Two to Britt Benici, who has not um, stopped doing what she does. Like I think we talk about her work rate, but her consistency with that work rate is right up there, and I admire that so much. And she had a big say in this game. And three to Bree Davy because she is so powerful. Like ah. Oh. Brie Davy, I love her. I know. I would be scared to play against her. She is fierce. Um, <laughs> Brie Davy is I... danger. Frio is danger. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, look, I shouldn't be playing footy. I would not be good on a footy field. Uh, let's talk about Brisbane feet Adelaide. This was another big game and a little bit of a surprise, I have to say, for me anyway. Brisbane, 5-3-33 to Adelaide, 6-9-45. What did you make of this? What were you expecting going into this game? Um, so, uh, okay. <laughs> First thing is that I should look here rather than over in the corner of my room. <laughs> Sorry. I was seeing a lot of people talking about this game, about how it was an amazing game, which, Mm. yes, but I was also incredibly frustrated by Brisbane in this game. Um, And maybe I'm the only one, but when they had control of the game, in particularly in the second half of this, what's the saying? Um, Insanity is doing the same thing every time and expecting a different result. Mm Mm-hmm. For about 10 minutes of, I want to say, the third quarter, Brisbane kept on the same side of the ground, kicking to the 50-metre paint 
on their forward flank to an outnumber that the Crows would rebound or get an intercept mark every single time. And they did it four or five times in the space of a couple of minutes. And it was just so incredibly frustrating because you know Brisbane are better than that. You know that their senior players are smarter than that. They just didn't adjust the thinking. And Adelaide read it every time. Exactly, because Adelaide have those senior players in their defensive line that are smart enough to pick up on that. And they just... They didn't attempt to bring the ball across. They didn't have any runners coming through to help. It just was... Yeah, and I can't imagine what it would have been like being Craig Stasevich at that moment, watching that happen, because it's just like, why do you think it's going to ha- be different this time? Like, nothing has changed. And I, it's, I'm being really harsh on a Brisbane side that only lost by 12 points, yeah. but that stood out to me as just so frustrating, and I told you that would be the buzzword of today, mm. and it will continue to be with the next game mm-hmm. too. But it just, yeah, I couldn't get over that. I could see the frustration yeah. on your face. You were just <laughs> flabbergasted by these Brisbane Lions. I mean, oh, tough, tough audience, Lions, but do better is basically <laughs> what Gemma is saying to you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question from one of our listeners, Mel, who actually the- asked this on the Siren Discord. Do you want to quickly explain what the Siren Discord is? Yeah, so we set it up last weekend when uh, Victoria was back in lockdown. Victorians couldn't go to games, but we just um, set it up so that people around the country that were fans of AFLW could join and just chat. And we did also some voice um, channels last week. So if you want to join that, the link is on the Siren Twitter, Siren underscore sport. Um, And Mel, who is, I think, still on this live right now, um, asked that question in there. Oh, yes. So she said, is... Chelsea, the difference with the Crows between last week and this week? Yeah, so it's worth looking... So the the story out of this game is going to be Erin Phillips because she kicked four mm. goals. She's now kicked 36. She leads the competition in its history. You know, amazing. And she's yeah. a completely brilliant player. But have a think about whether... Brisbane's def- who in Brisbane's defence would have been playing on Aaron Phillips if Chelsea Randall wasn't playing in that forward line? Kate Lutkins would have been. But because mm. Kate Lutkins had to be preoccupied by Chelsea Randall, which was the coolest matchup. I mean, there were two really amazing matchups this round. One was Roxy Rue and Jade Prigelli, notoriously two of my favourite players in the competition going <laughs> head-to-head. That was the best. And then Kate Luckins against Chelsea Randall. Both incredible intercept markers and contested markers. Both incredibly courageous players. They both play very similarly. So them going head-to-head was amazing. But yeah, if if Chelsea Randall wasn't playing in that forward line, Lutkins mm. would have spent a lot more time either playing directly on Erin Phillips or intercepting her. And it would have been a really different game, wouldn't it? So mm. Chelsea Randall definitely was a part of the difference. But generally, I think she is because she's, as we talked about Chloe Malloy, but she plays differently to them. She can play in different areas of the ground. She started a lot of her career playing on the ball for Adelaide and then went into defense and is now kind of swinging between forward and defense. She's so important to not only what she does, but you have to be so accountable to her that it allows other players to get off the chain. Mm. And you've mentioned before that Adelaide without their two big players in Phillips and Randall aren't super impressive. 
does yeah, that still so, hold yeah so um swamp did put up a tweet i should have looked it up um he put up a tweet last week about how adelaide's um I think you guys mentioned it on the Sanctum actually last week. Mm. Um, Adelaide's win rate with and without Chelsea Randall is quite starkly different. Um, and I think Chelsea Randall is because she can do pretty much anything. I think when Erin Phillips isn't able to play at her best, um, Adelaide is down a little bit. But I think that combined with no Chelsea Randall, I don't think Adelaide really win at all. So mm. I, I'm still... Like, this year, it's great. Aaron Phillips kicking goals. You love it. Um, Chelsea Randall doing all that cool stuff. You love it. But where's the next phase of Adelaide coming from? Because we still... I'm still not convinced that without those two, they can do that stuff. Whereas you look at other teams. If you look at Fremantle, if Ebony Antonio and Cara Antonio weren't in the side, Freo were still a really good team, aren't they? But Adelaide, I'm not sure. Yeah, we've talked about the Freo. I think we talked about it last week, the depth in the Probably. Um, Freo side. <laughs> Again, hello, Trent, Trent Cooper. Um, let's get your 3-2-1 for this game. I feel like I could guess, but go on. Oh, well, actually, I want to say one thing. Because in okay. your notes, you've got um, – you've mentioned a few players, um, Woodland, Ponta, um, and it's just – it's kind of nice. I, I just like that these um, – these are players that you've mentioned earlier on in the season as doing a really good job coming up. And I just like that you get proven right throughout the season. I love being you... proven right. <laughs> no, it's true. It, you know, without you, wouldn't I wouldn't have noticed some of these players, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, it's just nice to see that they're actually they, – they, Go, it's all going to plan, <laughs> to your plan anyway. <laughs> Jackie Parry kicking three goals last week went to my plan. Yes. Well, yeah. Let's go back anyway, to that. Yeah, let's go back to last week. Um, Danny's saying nervous about what might come out of Randall's bump. What do you think? She should be fine. Uh, look at the Considine one last. Or mm. Considine? Is it Considine I'm thinking of? Someone last week, there was a bump. Anyway, I think Randall just protected herself and unfortunately who did she bump i can't even remember now of oh, greta Bodie. unfortunately greta Bodie didn't go in with the side she went in with the head and she's continued to play so i doubt randall's under any but we also do need to be conscious of the head all that stuff you know absolutely three two one Shall yes I? so wonder brie conan in a defensive line where kate Lutkins was very much preoccupied by chelsea randall i think brie conan took control um, and I think she did really well. So I've given her the one. Two to Chelsea Randall, as I've said. And then three to Aaron Phillips, as I've said. There's only one Aaron Phillips. Let's move on to Western Bulldogs versus Melbourne today at Witten Oval. Ah, Western Bulldogs. 6-1-37 to Melbourne's 2-12-24. A lot of disappointed Melbourne fans. I am talking to one of them. Um, <laughs> And look, I tweeted, and I want to console you with this, Gemma, Melbourne still have one of the best jumpers in the competition. At least you have that today. I was like feeling disappointed and I went, oh, at least they look good. (laughs) Um, Before we actually get into it, oh, no, let's get into it and then I'll come back to 
to our fun fact because you have a fun fact for me. It's um, not fun, but it is a fact. All right, tell it's us. Fun, tell me it's your fun, fun fact. for other people. Um, You're not so fun fact. So today is actually the one year anniversary of. Melbourne losing to St Kilda in round three last year where Melbourne kicked one goal eight to St Kilda's, I think, two goals one from memory, uh, that big Caitlin Greiser goal. So, you know, uh, Melbourne and the 21st of February don't like to kick straight. It's just weird being it, it being my birthday and being a Melbourne supporter. Um, <laughs> they want to torture you. Yeah, it's probably because of my weird allegiances between Richmond and Melbourne and it's all confused. They're like, it's your fault. Um, oh, okay, let's start with the listener question for this game. Question, sorry. With the dogs beating Melbourne today, are the doggies a flag threat? I mean, yes, because they're 3-1, and one, they're playing good footy. There's also there's another similar question that's yeah uh, from, are they, Ten- well, with- from Tennille. yeah are they a little underrated? Uh, to be honest, um, I think the dogs are exceeding their own expectations of themselves this season so far. Mm. So I think even they have underrated themselves in a way. And I love with the dogs, they keep talking about fierce footy, that they've really circled in on that word. Every press conference, every post game interview, they talk about being fierce and you really see it and feel it from them on field I don't know what they're doing but I I really love whatever psych psych brain wave stuff they're doing (laughs) at the dogs I want to get I want in because um they're just they're really it's like they've got this clear message this clear understanding of how they want to play and they're really just sticking to that and they're they're getting their results and they're it's they're a pleasure to watch, I find, except, except when they're playing your team. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, what were you doing? Were you throwing things at the TV, or no? Do you go? Do you go inward? Uh, I guess I talk to myself a little bit, um, and I've just realised that I've put one of the questions here in the wrong game. So sorry about that. Um, totally fine. <laughs> uh, I think. I should clarify, Lucy Race is a Melbourne supporter as well. And when Kate Hall was a late out in this game, um, we messaged each other saying, this is a danger game for Melbourne. This is the kind of Mm. game Melbourne loses. Mm -hmm. Um, And they lost. (laughs) (laughs) Kicking 2-12. So it it felt like, uh, in a way it's comforting because it's like, ah, yes, this is the Melbourne I know and sometimes love. (laughs) It was weird because they've been, it did remind me of Melbourne last season and And Melbourne and and every season and the men's season. Like it was just like, oh, I feel like having supported Melbourne for a really, really, really long time, well before they had a women's team, when they lose, I'm kind of like, yeah, (laughs) I know this feeling. My family will agree with you. My family are all Melbourne supporters in the men's, so. Can I ask you a bit of a, can we do a really quick sojourn into your origin story? My origin story? Like I'm a superhero? (laughs) Yeah, you are a superhero. What are you talking about, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Numbers just whirl around your head, like all the time. 
time when you're in that I've got zone. A cape that's got numbers all over it. Yes, exactly. Um, do you, you follow the D's in the women's, but your Sydney Swans in the men's? Yes. Tell me how and why. Um, when I was a kid, I chose the Swans. Okay. Uh, even though my family are all Melbourne, mostly Melbourne supporters. Um, I mean, my dad goes for Hawthorne, so let's not talk about that. Emma race. Um, but yeah, I mean, I chose the Swans when I was four and it's worked out a lot better for me than it has my, the rest of my family. Mm. So, um, actually today the Swans had two academy, like girls academy, um, matches, exhibition matches with the GWS girls academy under 17s and under 19s and both the swans teams won and seeing girls playing in the swans guernsey and singing the song is the coolest thing so i can't oh. wait for them to get a team i there's a few people who would be in that camp we know that the hawthorne fans are just dying to see an aflw side uh essendon and the like i think you're right about expansion by the way which we talked at the top of the show that um, the quicker they do, the quicker, the better it is for the comp in general. Mm. Uh, let's talk about the D's then. Should we just jump <laughs> right into the muck? Sure. Accuracy is what I was yelling at the TV. My God, there's just so many shots at goal that didn't go through the big posts. Yeah, so round one, Melbourne, I think, kicked their... We've got a question from Danny that we'll get to in a second. Um, Melbourne kicked their most, had the most accurate scoring performance in their history in round one, and then round three, they kicked seven two. So it was nine two in round one, seven two in round three, which was their equal second highest accurate scoring performance. Blah blah blah. Uh, you know, it's fallen away since then. Um, it was frustrating because you know that they have the ability to do better than that and it's frustrating because you know that this is something they've done in the past having more scoring shots and losing to a side that being said they didn't have Sinead Goldrick coming like as that driving force out of defense um, Mm. because she was sidelined with concussion protocol and Kate Hall was a late out who often gives them a lot of drive from the wing midfield Mm. into the forward line I think those were massive losses and then you consider that Meg Downey is still out who hopefully is returning next week I think is on track to return next week those are three massive massive players to not have in your side against a team that is in form Mm. I know I missed Goldrick this week Uh, she just seems to be all over it when she plays and it was clear we needed her Uh, oh where is it okay yes Danny's asking, will it be easy an easy swap for you when the Swans do finally get a women's team or will you do a runner and support both? <laughs> uh, I'll probably support both because, you know, I love the Ds. Um, Shelly Scott is there. She'll probably have retired by the time Sydney gets a team. But, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I ha- already have three different AFLW memberships, so why not just make I it know. four? I know. I feel like I just don't. I go for everybody now. It's especially in the women's. I go for yeah. everybody. Uh, let's talk about the dogs. Uh, they took their chances today, and they just looked like they really gel and communicate. And just, 
actually love playing with each other. You just get the feeling that they're in really enjoying their footy. Yeah. Um, that, Melbourne won last week by dominating the uncontested possession, which was something you brought up in our review last week, um, where they got that control on the outside and then their entries to, into 50 were quite good because they were able to take their time and make a good choice going forward. The dogs did not let Melbourne get any clean possession around the ball. Everywhere they went, they were outnumbered. Everywhere they went, they were being tackled or tugged on or something. It was relentless for four quarters. And it was, I was impressed with their endurance to be able to do that for four quarters. We saw West Coast do that for one quarter and a half against Brisbane last week, fall away. The, the dogs did it for four quarters. They didn't allow Melbourne any clean ball movement. And then when they won the turnover, they were able to very quickly get out the back and move the ball quickly forward and score. And that's what Melbourne could not do. And moving Ali Blackburn to the forward line um, just created some more opportunities for them, I thought, when potentially she wasn't having as big an impact on the game. Yeah, well, you know that she's powerful. And I think that power in a game like this is really important. Jess Fitzgerald is the other one who has the ability to do that. So, you know, and then they kicked straight. They kicked six goals one. Like, that is one of the most accurate performances in AFLW history compared to one of the least accurate. So, you know. So would you say that, because you look at that scoreline and you think, oh, well, Melbourne just needed to kick straight and they would have won. But really it was a scrappy game because of the pressure that the dogs applied on them. So it was, I mean, I, I watched that game and felt like it was dog, the dogs pressure that brought on the accuracy woes for Melbourne. Does yeah, is, 50, maybe 50% that 50% Melbourne, like, cause Melbourne had set shots that they just missed as well. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of the shots were flying shots out of traffic Sometimes those are goals that Melbourne will generally kick as well, but usually it's Kate Hall kicking them. Shelley mm. Scott had two players hanging off her all game, which is why she couldn't really get much clean shot at goal. We mm. know she's a good rover off the pack as well. Um, Tegan Cunningham wasn't able to kick straight, which was a little bit frustrating because she's done so well so far this year. She kicked three behind. So, you know, that little bit of... Clem- I mean, Eden Zanka had, th- I think, four shots on goal in the first five minutes of the game, missed all of them. So... Mm. Yeah, it was that polish from Melbourne and their ability to withstand the pressure that wasn't there. And credit mm. to the dogs for being able to do that for four quarters. And, I mean, yeah, accuracy is not a new... or a lack of accuracy is not a new thing for Melbourne either. So, so Unfortunately. that hurt. That yes, hurt, didn't it, Jeff? I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get your three, two, one. Oh, we've got... um. Do we? Yes. How impressive was Guesty's face paint? Of course, the massive black eye. The fact that she was even playing was remarkable, I think. I couldn't believe that. I honestly thought she'd be out and surely concussion would be part of that. And yeah. oof, But she, no. What, and she played really well play. too. Yes, it actually really worked for her. <laughs> so I don't know. There was a clearly an upside. Let's get your three, two, one. So I've given one vote to Eleanor Brown because I think particularly in the first half when Melbourne were trying to were pressuring getting a lot of those shots on goal, 
um, Eleanor Brown was the one that not only read the ball well and intercepted it, but used her speed to get the ball out of trouble as well. I think she was really, really important to that back line. Um, two to Ellie Blackburn, because I think when they when the dogs needed the lift, she was the one that lifted them. And then three to Isabel Huntington, because she presented so beautifully around the ground. She kicked two goals. She took the marks, contested or otherwise. Isabel Huntington is a freak and in the best way. So go her, I guess. I think I said in the first episode uh, that I want an Isabel Huntington statue at some point and I think I will be vindicated. <laughs> it might be 50 years <laughs> in the making, but she's only 22. She will have a statue. She's such a great player and such a pleasure to watch. Uh, Romina says the energy at the kennel feels very special and, yes, so much joy from the dogs after the win. They seem like such a happy and supportive group. I'm a big fan of their culture. I agree and I'm. it, it, it makes you feel jealous. You kind of want to be part of what they're doing there at the doggies and I feel like Ali Blackburn has a huge part, huge you know, part in that. Um, but Berkey as well is is an incredible coach, I feel. And yeah, I like what they're doing down there. Let's get to GWS versus West Coast at Blacktown International Sports Park. I don't know why I felt like telling you all that. <laughs> GWS uh, went down to West Coast 4731 to West Coast 7648. Wait, I haven't updated that. It's actually 7648 to 4428. Apologies. I didn't write oh, on the sheet. That's all right. Well, I, that just um, outed the fact. I mean, I was going to mention it, but I didn't watch this game. <laughs> It's your birthday. It's my birthday. And I was having dinner with my family. Um, So what was the score then? So it was uh, GWS 7.648 to West Coast Uh, 4.428, which in fact, 4.428, you'll notice, has been scored twice this round. It is now the equal most scored scoreline in the AFLW. I was going to say, I didn't realise that West Coast won this game because I was sure that I saw that they didn't, but I trusted your <laughs> your judgment. Yeah, I forgot to update that. Sorry, my bad. I uh, uh, ran out of time tonight. Totally. You're you're carrying the team this week, so <laughs> you're off the hook. <laughs> Thank you. Very much appreciated. Uh, look, I want to start with West Coast because they are playing some excellent footy but some really patchy footy and I want to know how far off they are from a four-quarter performance. So I think we need to take West Coast's season with um, the caveat that they really struggled to get a lot of their players on the park for preseason this year between COVID and people not being able to get into WA, Irish players coming back, injuries all that sort of stuff. Mm. They really did struggle. I think Daniel Pratt said that at some moments they had 12 players there for preseason training. So we've got to take their ability to run out four quarters with that caveat. Mm-hmm. It feels like they're so close, which is, again, frustrating. I think frustrating. most of these games were so frustrating to watch because of these little things that you know they can do. They just mm. didn't kind of get it and this Melbourne frustrating to watch in this round um so yeah West Coast they're, they're fading out of games they're, they're doing their bulk of scoring and their bulk of containing the opposition score in the first half they've scored 65 points across their first halves this year 
compared to 15 points and just one goal in second halves this year as compared to Mm. conceding 108 points in second halves. So that's what their issue is. We saw, and multiple times this year, we've been watching them or I've been watching them and going, their highest score is 30 ever, which was round four last year against the Dogs when they won that game. Today might be the day. At halftime, they had scored 25 points in this game and then they just could not, finish the work in the second half and it's just like they're so close and it must feel very similar to Richmond fans in terms of you know it's almost there but it's just out of reach and it must be yeah really frustrating sorry I keep saying that word but (laughs) but it was it was that's the word of the round uh conceding 108 points in second halves just it sounds so bleak to me but yeah they it feels like they're coming. I just hope, you know, they get some joy this season. We've already had a number of Cora Staunton comments in our comment section for yes. Staunton, as we are now calling her. Tell me about Cora's game because she had a cracker. Yeah, so she kicked the four goals. She had 16 disposals, three inside 50s, eight score involvements and 238 metres gained, just casually for a 39-year-old. Um, last year, it took her a couple of games to really get going. And in the back half of the season, she scored the bulk of her goals when she led GWS for goals last year. It feels like that's a similar trajectory for her this season as well. And this is round four. She's kicked the four goals. I think she's just going to keep hitting the scoreboard from here. It really upsets me that you just said she's 39 because I turned 35 today and... (laughs) get sore from sitting on the couch mate I'm even younger and I can't do anything (laughs) I don't feel so good anymore about being 35 ever Um, ever since I did my ACL everything is just done for me (laughs) at least that's a legitimate reason to not be able to do certain things I just can't bother Georgina is saying this game was surprisingly impressive, was not expecting such a free-flowing game from these two teams. Given their last few weeks, what's changed for each team? I mean, they've both been able to settle, like, because these two teams had to, I mean, obviously GWS had to deal with a lot of stuff, but West Coast also, as I've said, their preseason wasn't um, wasn't particularly settled. Um, they've also both played in really poor weather a lot as well, and this this game was in really beautiful conditions. So I think those two things had a lot to do with it. Also, I think largely they had their best team on the park. Realistically, mm. they weren't missing too many players that would be a f- walk-up start. I mean, Andrea Gilmore was missing for the Eagles and Neve Kelly. But, you know, other than that, they had close... And I mean, Dana Hooker is the obvious one, but they had close to their best players as well. And they found that. And I think because both teams were so interested in attacking, it didn't get bogged down in that defense either. Mm. Would you like to give me your three, two ones for this game? Certainly. So, and I'm going to give you stats with these because we haven't actually talked about too many of these players. So Isabella Lewis. Keep going. I'm going to screenshot while you do this. (laughs) Isabella Lewis, who is the uh, was the first draft pick for the Eagles in this offseason, she had mm-hmm. five clearances, 16 disposals, and nine tackles for the Eagles. I think she was oh, really impressive. That? So I've given her the one vote. Given two to Cora Staunton, 
um, for all the reasons <laughs> I've said. Um, yes. She was amazing. But, you know, it's it's really hard to go past Elise Parker, who had another six clearances, four inside 50s, 25 disposals and six tackles. It's hard. I'm you can't. so... You can't. No. You can't. I'm so glad you... Sorry. <laughs> well, because we had... George said in your Siren Discord chat, um, okay, question for Gemma in this week's recap. How good is Elise Parker? Good or really fucking good? I think you just answered it. But another question for you, what's the difference between GWS this round and the one before? You kind of just answered that. Um, and how good is Tani Evans going to be? I mean, Tani Evans is... Yes, also Rebecca Beeson was great. Beeson had seven clearances as well, and I think 22 disposals from the top of my head. <gasps> she was really good. I just couldn't fit her in. Um, is it also her birthday? I could tell you that, actually. Because Georgina is saying you missed... <laughs> it's a little bit creepy, Gemma. You have a dossier on everyone. Um, we've also got Mel saying Michaela Bowen was impressive. It was, was Beeson's birthday yesterday, the 20th. Oh my God, still counts. I share a birthday weekend with Biso. Um, and Amelia is saying Parker is a beast and she sure is. Um, give her a statue too, I reckon. And maybe Kiara Bowers. <laughs> Definitely Kiara Bowers. Um, so what was that? <laughs> what was the difference between GWS this round and the one before? Yes. Um, I think the weather is one. Um mm-hmm because they had to play in those kind of sluggy kind of conditions last week, which does slow you down. It makes you tired. And this week they were able to play more freely. The other thing is, um, as I said, because both teams were so interested in attacking, it was a bit more free-flowing. Last week, um, G- uh, Gold Coast was a, a lot more like pressure, which we've talked about them being a pressure side. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Tani mm. Evans, she is going to be a star. And her inclusion this week was really big as well for them. The thing that I really like about her, A, she's really smart about how she makes her decisions on the field, which we're seeing more of because pathways, pathways, could you believe it? Um, two, she's quite big for uh, what she will be an midfielder, mostly an mm. inside midfielder. So the fact that she's got the body strength and the height to be able to go into defense and contest those sorts of aerial balls is really important. And then three, her skills are really, really impressive. So the combination of those three and, you know, look at Tiana Smith, quite similar, having an instant impact because she comes in and is able to be at that level straight away. Mm. Um, we got your three, two, one, didn't we? Yeah, I got told off for not including Rebecca Beeson. Oh, yes, that's right. Sorry. I feel like we've been talking for ages. Um, It is 10 o'clock, so I'm going to wrap us up. (laughs) Gosh, we've been talking for a while. We've got a bit silly too, so that's all right. Uh, You will be previewing next round with Julia Montesano, which will drop Friday morning. And as always, people can podcast that. They can just search for Play On Radio. It's in the um, same stream as the same podcast feed as this episode is as well. So this episode will be up as soon as I send my audio to Gemma tonight, who will edit it, I believe. Yes. You're welcome to sleep if you need no. to, Gemma. Because tomorrow's too busy to get it done tomorrow. So it has to be done tonight. Uh, busy Monday. I have a busy Monday too. I'm not looking forward to that Monday. 
If people want to anyway. listen to ABC Gippsland at 9.30 tomorrow morning, you can hear me. 9.30 Monday morning, Gemma on ABC Gippsland. I think it's 9.30 around that time. Talking about AFLW. What- oh, Surprise. What? Who knew? <laughs> Thanks, Gemma. Where can people find you on the Twitter and the Instas and the wherever else you are? Are you on uh, Facebook? Yeah, but I don't use it. And after the purge last week, I don't really like yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> nah. We got caught up in that. Um, so did you. Oh, yeah. So did we, yeah. Yeah. Um, GL Bastiani on Twitter is the best place to find me if you want uh, to talk to me or info or join the Siren Discord and you can be involved in the chat there. How about you, Rana? I am at Rana Huss on Twitter and Rana B Hussein on Instagram and we love your questions. Your questions are so good. Um, send them again. Yes. Um, it does make our again. life easier too. So <laughs> send your questions or we'll happily answer them while Gemma will. <laughs> uh and any other final business? I don't feel like I have anything else I need to say. Just that uh, Melbourne and Collingwood are facing off at Victoria Park next week, which is going Ooh. to be a lot. Get there. Get there if you're in Melbourne. Listen, no, read Siren. Listen yeah, the to round, the Yeah, the roundup will be out on Tuesday. Outer Sanctum comes out on Wednesday. So we've got something for you pretty much every day of the week this week. Absolutely. Well, I think we're recording on Thursday, but stay tuned anyway. <laughs> My bad. You'll get another episode. Oh, it's just it's ten. There's ten of us to wrangle. Ten of us. Anyway, it's a lot. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And there's just one thing left to say. I'm totally doing Emma Race at the other sanctum. Happy birthday, Rana! Is the last thing. Oh, say. thank you, and play on. Oh. Bye, everyone. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.